Good morning, River City. If you are new or you're tuning in for the very first time, we are so happy that you're worshiping with us this morning. Go ahead and drop a comment. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We'd love to give you a proper welcome. So this morning, I have three announcements for you. The first one is the best one. Next week, the 30th at 11 a.m., we are going to be regathering back together live. So it'll be socially distanced as it was before. Look out for your weekly or look on the Facebook pro wall for more information. But again, next week at 11, we will be meeting back in here to worship together. And then also save the date, September 5th, we're going to have an RCC night out. There'll be Kona Ice, there'll be games. So make sure that you come to that. It's going to be fun. You'll see that on the Facebook pro wall as well. And then finally, just remembering that Wednesdays are going to be our communal day. So it's going to be our weekly night out. It'll be at Bronner, Taylor Bronner Park from 6 to 8. Bring your own food, bring your own drinks and games, and just hang out with your family. We would love to see you. Now, for our morning lectionary passage, it's going to be from Psalm 138, and it says, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for the great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And so, Father God, we just thank you that you are a faithful God. And the work that you have begun to do in us and in this church and in this country and in this world will be completed. God, we thank you that you are a loving God, that you have our back that you're on our side. We thank you for the ways that you have strengthened our soul and our spirit in this season. Lord, we pray over this service for everyone who is participating or listening, that you give us a moment of peace and silence and stillness to really tune into you. We thank you for a God who craves these experiences with his children, that you aren't a God that's far away. So, Lord, I pray that everyone feels your closeness, that they feel your delight, and that they feel your peace. We love you so much, and in your name we pray. Amen. Before we head into prayers of the people this week, I want to read part of Psalm 139 over you, over those of us in this room, and over um, the communities and the countries that we're going to be praying for. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand should hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So God, we lift up to you the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the Iranian pastor and his wife who are fleeing for their lives to avoid prison time, simply for gathering. We pray for the Muslim Fulani who killed 11 Christians in Nigeria between Monday, excuse me, Sunday to Tuesday. The 30 plus Christians that have been killed by this Muslim group. God, would you be near to them? Would you remind those in suffering? Would you remind them that even the darkest dark is light to you? Where your presence is, the darkness flees. And so would your light shine brightly upon them? Would your spirit comfort them? Would they know that you are present with them and it is for their good that you hold them dearly? We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the California wildfires that just destroyed a million plus acres. Firefighters and first responders are working 72-hour shifts, which I just cannot fathom. God, would you allow water to fall upon the state of California and cover the fires? God, would it be a miraculous thing that all of this sudden what man cannot do, you can. And so would you put the fires out? Would you preserve and protect the livelihoods and the lives and the homes and the nature that is being destroyed? God, would you intervene? the firefighters and the first responders. We pray for the political unrest in Belarus and Mali. God, the political unrest of, of desiring a new leader, wanting a new leader and not getting it. God, would you come and would you make peace where there is no peace? Would you raise up leaders who will fight for the people in the countries that are needing to be heard and advocated for? Would you allow sense to come out of senseless acts? Would you allow your light to shine in the darkest places? It would illuminate what is good and that it would shut out what is evil. We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, the fires and vinings and the condominiums the arsonist, God, would you allow them to catch and bring justice for those homes and belongings that have been destroyed? Would you provide resources to those people? Give them a place to stay that is safe. And the trauma that has been endured, God, would you be near to them? We pray for the school systems as they still navigate COVID and COVID 
just keeps being a thing. Would we never grow tired or weary of praying that COVID would be a thing no more? Would we not grow tired or weary of fighting and praying and believing that that you desire to eradicate this? Would we not grow tired or weary of praying that we find better solutions of meeting the people in need who are getting destroyed by this virus, whether it be mentally or physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, would we not stop praying for healing to come? We pray for Smyrna. We pray for River City specifically pray for Ryan's stepmom as she battles cancer and gets not good news. The darkest of dark that is gut-riching and bleak where there is nothing to see and it feels like there is no hope to cling to. God, would your spirit intervene in the room that she is staying in and the people that she is surrounded by? Would your spirit shine forth Heal her body, give peace and comfort to to her and her family. Would your spirit be near, tangibly, love that family above and beyond what is unimaginable. We pray for every person in our community who is hurting or suffering Would you come and remind us that there is nowhere that we can go that is outside of your reach. There is nowhere for us to hide that you will not come and seek us out and say, you are mine. We thank you that you sit on the throne We thank you that your light never grows dim or weary, that you never get tired of bringing justice, that your righteousness and your sovereignty holds us. And so we proclaim that even when our spirit feels weak, we proclaim it anyway. Today we are, I'm going to give you a couple quick just tidbits of announcements because maybe you weren't here right at the beginning. And they're as follows. Number one, if you would like to do a last minute admission for our POTS that we'll be presenting next week, which will surely be the most different looking POTS we've ever done, please make a post on the prayer wall or reach out through email to anybody on our staff and just present it. We'll present those next week. We've gathered the info we have so far. We've got some good ways to pray into the future. Number two, we are regathering next Sunday, but it's not because we think that the virus isn't real or it should. we shouldn't be responsible about it. We are going to handle it with the same precautions we did before. We recognize that when we gathered for a month, we didn't have any sickness. We didn't have anything spread here. We feel like if we stay small, it will be okay and we can manage it. And so be in prayer about that. You'll hear from me Tuesday or Wednesday about the specific steps we're taking. We're actually going to open up downstairs and up here and figure out ways to have people in both at the same time instead of doing two services, but you'll hear more about that. 
And the next, there's a library that's going to be available that Shannon will be talking about this coming week. I'm not going to give you a ton of details, but it's going to continue to help us to have good conversations and to learn how to be responsible with discussing the racial injustices that are systematically still around. We want to be good about that. She'll give you some posts, but we have resources that we purchased and are here for our body to jump into together. Going to be good. I'm going to pray now for the message. So, Father, Jesus, sometimes I don't even know how to say who I think that you are. I think when I'm most confident on what I think about you are the times when I struggle to hear you. And I've recognized it in my life when I struggle to see how or where you are or what you're doing, that I somehow get some kind of a lesson that helps me to become the person you're asking me to become. Not because who I'm becoming is more important than now, but because that all of it's important to you. What can you do with a life, an entire life, a lifespan, Not just what can you do until I'm 30. What can you do until I'm 22? What can you do until I become a pastor or a teacher? What can you do until I I get married? But because all of it is meaningful to you. You're not just excited about what we'll become at this one point in our lives. You're continually drawing us into a place where we can understand and listen to who you are, how you live, where we can trust in you daily, each day. We need that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I prepared for today, I've been reminded so many times in the past two months of how closely I feel like our story is connected to the story of the Israelites being led out of Egypt. I've mentioned it a few times, all the way back since March. The Israelites, of course, we're going to read a passage in a second, were praying for years and years to be freed, for God to answer, to show up. And God shows up, and God frees them, and then God leads them. And it's not exactly what they would think it would look like. And they realized the things that they had previously that they felt like kept them okay almost seemed better than what he was leading them into. I want to read you a passage. And this is the first thing we'll read today. I'm not going to spend too much time in it. It's Exodus 16, 1 through 4. They set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots, ate bread to our full, for you have brought us out into a wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. This is fascinating to me because the questions that they were walking through in this new place were real. We could eat sustainably before we had comforts, even though we longed to be away from where we were at and into the places you were leading us. These people are now on their way to the exact place God is leading. It's not as if he's not leading. He is leading. How he's leading and what he's doing is not up to par with them. This is not as good as it was. I wonder if we could sit down, if we were sent through a portal of time, if we somehow had the time machine or the thing that's in the show the TARDIS, and four of you know what I'm talking about. And we go back in time, and we look at the Israelite community on this day, and we're like, guys, I know it's hard to believe, 
But what you came from looks nothing like what he's leading you to. What you were in, when you were there, you had a good picture of it. It was real. You were consumed by things. You were enslaved to things. You were in bondage to things. Where he's leading you, a land with milk and honey, is real. It looks different. It's sustainable. You can work the land and see its fruit. You can live freely in this land. It's there. It's coming. I promise. You don't want to go back. It's not worth going back. And I think as I prepare today, I hear the voice of the Father speaking to me in my depths. Josh, it's not worth going back. The goal of this season is not to get back to where we were, to get things like they were. The goal of this season is to revive the things that God has been longing for all along. I actually had a conversation with one of our members this week at Rev, talking about how he sees this season as a season of revival. And maybe not in the sense that we're used to talking about revival, but in the sense that he's bringing things to life that have been dead for years and years. What if he's bringing the church to life like we've been praying for for years and years? And what if we assume that we know what it looks like and say, this is not as good as it was, at least there we had this would keep us from where we're going. What if right now is a time to sit and be present with Jesus? What if right now is a time to be renewed by his presence in the dwellings that we have so that we can be spilled into our communities and our cities? What if he's actually showing us these things? Well, there's two texts today that I want to read to you. Strangely enough, they have to do with rocks. The layover from the Old Testament to the New Testament with rocks. But first, I want to say to you that the, the thing that I would consider the biggest gift to me in this entire season has been happening all year. And it's the idea that, yes, Josh or person listening to this, repentance of sin is still something that God longs for. We long desperately to be forgiven. To say that statement means that I ascribe to the truth that we are broken and that Jesus Christ is the healer. It's not to assume that that's found everywhere. It's not to be liberated into my own truth. It's to say that Jesus, for me, in this season, I know that you're asking me to embody what it means to sit at your feet and say, I'm sorry for the ways in which I've tried to do what you would like to do for us and me. Repentance has been a theme all throughout in our passages. From the beginning of this year when we had Dr. Johns come in and share that we don't need more smoke machines and fog machines in our services. We don't need to even speak truth to just power, but we need to speak the truth to the power within our own hearts. That we, we struggle to even understand what it means to fall under the holy hush of the Spirit of God when he draws us close to say, will you seek me? We've preached it in passages that we would be comfortable saying Christianity is a place where we finally say yes. We need to repent for what we've done. Our fathers us and our children have all struggled, and somebody has to begin to embody what it means to do this. I don't want to be, and I'm sorry this is redundant, I don't want to be the pastor that just speaks truth to all the powers out in the world while avoiding the ones in my own heart. And I think for me, as I've managed this season, I've started to see a trend that those who move away from, from humility, no matter what that looks like, those who move away from self-assessment are moving away from the Spirit of God. Because right now, the only thing that's being done are structures are being unearthed. Not just societally, but personally. The things we're having to face, we didn't have to face last year. If we're moving away from the Spirit of God, it looks like anger, angst, resentment. It looks like accusing the brethren, our enemy. If we're moving towards the Father, we're quick 
to apologize, even if it's not us who have wronged. That's humility to me. Someone so willing to say, I might have done this, and if I have, please forgive me, even if they haven't. Those who move towards Jesus move towards this because this is what the confession of Jesus is about, the cross. This is what it's about, the forgiveness of sins. I know that triggers some of you, and maybe that's something you need to live into and not just put a stamp on and move on. But I'm going to read you two texts today, back to back, and then I'm going to speak about them. And you can pull up Isaiah first. And if you guys want to open up to Isaiah 51 in your Bibles, which are laid before you beautifully, preferably in the Greek or Hebrew, I will read aloud to you. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock in which you were hewn, from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places and makes her wildernesses like Eden. Her deserts like the garden of the Lord. That sounds amazing, the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me. In, in one version, it says, a teaching will go out for me, and I will set my justice for a light to all peoples. And remember, justice is good. Justice is what we desire. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arms they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heaven, to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die like, in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will, be, will never be dismayed. Moving on. The next passage is Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Flip forward some. And this is Jesus, probably trying to get away to get some quiet. He's progressing in his mission. And this conversation that he's about to have is a turning point. Not just for Peter and the disciples, but for the scope of the whole Christian message for the gospel and for Jesus. And it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, probably not that quickly, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So these texts are definitely from different places in scripture, but the overlay is important to hear. 
right? There's, there's rocks in both. Just from surface, we understand what rocks are as something that lasts, something that's built over time, something that's structural, foundational. We see in Scripture, even rocks in the Old Testament and Joshua, people go back into the river that God had parted for them to take rocks out to be a memory. Rocks were a place for people to remember. Rocks were set up on top of each other in, in different areas for the community to say, this is what God did here. So when it draws on the, on the play on the word rocks, especially in the Old Testament, which rocks were you hewn from? He's asking that question, the prophet to them through God's guidance to say to them, I need you to remember now. Because even though you're in what seems to be a wasteland, what seems to not be fruitful, what seems to be a place you would like to be out quickly, I'm trying to get you to a place where you can remember. With some, it doesn't work like this, but with Yahweh, with your father God, who you've been given this message through, through Abraham and Sarah, who bore you, who didn't bore you, right? That's not the truth. It's it's a metaphor of what happened as them coming through as children of faith through this couple. Remember them and remember them not specifically because they're just good people. But what I did through them, I took them from one man to many. I grew them. I was faithful to them. I showed up for them. And at any point in their story, they could have stopped and said, maybe God won't show up, but I did. I didn't do it in their time frame, but I need you to remember the rock quarry from which you were hewn from. This is the kind of structure you are made of. If you attest or if you lean into Yahweh, this is the kind of faithfulness that is being discussed. There's not a time he will not be faithful. We don't decide what it looks like, but he will be faithful. Remember the rock quarry from which you were hewn, right? In your wasteland. So he's trying to get them to remember. And I love how the lectionary this week throws in this New Testament text where Jesus is probably on his way to find solace so that he can pray and contemplate the future. It's about to get real. Things are about to get lit, as they say, as the children these days will say. So he goes and he sits and it's possible he's looking at a rock face and he's thinking about, I imagine for Jesus these connections just happen. I remember what I said in the Old Testament. I remember what God said about me as a stone, a cornerstone. I remember what you've done through Peter. So these questions come and I imagine the first one is beautiful. They're probably loving it. The question is to them, Who do people say that I am? And it's like, bam, bam, bam. And they start spitting out these answers. And it's probably connected to what they're accustomed to or the streams that they're from or the sect that they're in. And they're spitting out these answers. You may be this, they think you're this. And questions are coming and conversations happening and none of it's right. I don't think that they're right, but Jesus sits and listens to these people. He lets them share And a point here that we need to understand is that all faith's journeys start right here. All of us have been told something. He's asking them to look at what are the things that you have heard that have formed you? What are the things that have been spoken to you, right? What are the things that you parrot unknowingly? What do I mean by parrot unknowingly? What are the things that you find yourself saying that you don't even know if you believe? Because you've been given this for generations. We get these things from our denominations. We get these things from our families. We get these things from good theology and we get these things from terrible theology. Jesus is comfortable with where they're at at this point. They're not right. And he doesn't press in here to make sure that they go back and restructure and deconstruct. He's going to get to that. 
but he's leading them to a space. They're bubbly. Let's just talk, Jesus. This is great. Then his next question does a different thing. Okay, thank you for your input. I heard what you said. I believe that many people believe those things. Now, who do you say that I am? And I imagine right here in this spot, that cold chill comes over the disciples because they don't necessarily want to share and they're hoping that someone will speak up. It's the kind of feeling I used to have when I was in a class and I didn't know what I was talking about and I never wanted to speak. And the thing that I would say would most likely be stupid, so I just would rather not talk. It's the kind of silence where he probably looks at each one of them so that they know his, his question is for them. What you said a minute ago is good. These are things people say. But hearing about what people say about me is not enough to build a personal faith in me on. What have you experienced with me as we've walked and talked, as we've prayed and seen miracles, as we've had to struggle through the powers that be, as people have said I'm not who I am, as you have not agreed with me on who I say I am, what is it that you have experienced with me? And Peter steps in, you are the Messiah, the son of the true living God. And this answer is perfect. This answer is perfect. And Jesus blesses him. Jesus says, here's some keys to all kinds of stuff that you don't even understand. Here's the keys to the kingdom right? Actually, I'm going to build my church upon this rock. And then, and then Jesus calls him by a previous name and then deepens the meaning of his name and calls him by a new name. Jesus changes dude's name here, right? I want to read you something really quickly. Simon Peter first could have earned his nickname due to his solid character, or rock, rocky hard-heartedness. Think of that. The rock previous to Jesus was immovable, especially this one. He was prideful, knew what he needed, knew what Jesus needed to do. He was a rock. He was immovable. But with this Christological confession, Jesus tells him it has a new significance now. This name you thought to be true is now about to become deeper. That now he is going to live up to the highest meaning of Peter. He becomes a rock upon which God will place other stones as over time Christ builds people to himself. He becomes a rock that doesn't exist for his own personal drive. The truer meaning of his name. From me to we is his story. From this is what should happen for us to return to oh my goodness, I had it all wrong, but it doesn't stop. He says this, Jesus says this, I'm gonna build my rock upon you and give you some keys. And Peter still doesn't understand and we know that because we read other gospel stories and we see that Jesus literally says, Satan, get behind me to this person. He gives the keys to a person, he says, Satan, get behind me. It would be like a person working at a church standing in front of you and saying, Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus is not the son of God. And then figuring out what does our body even do with that? What does our body do with that? Is that? Does that mean the sound just stopped or are we still good? Good to go? This person denies. So how does Jesus give the keys to everything 
to a person that doesn't even believe who he is. Here's the truth of what's being said about Peter being the rock. The rock isn't Peter. I could, I could do a lap. I could do like a praise lap right here. The rock is not Peter. We're all Peter. The rock is the testimony that comes from his mouth. And anyone who can say that, whether they're living into it fully or not, that is a foundation that Jesus can build the church upon. The testimony of a brother or sister about the truth of who Jesus is, is his structural framework for building his kingdom. So it's not Peter. We're not looking for the next Peter. We're looking for someone who can say that and believe it, even if they don't even know how to live into it yet, because Peter doesn't. Peter tells Jesus he's wrong soon. Jesus, you've got this wrong. You're doing kingdom building wrong. Jesus says, this is my rock in whom I'll build the church. Your testimony, Peter, you don't know it yet, but eventually you will. I'm willing to see what can happen in the span of a life. Don't land here, Peter. Don't land here. I can't build on that. The kind of pride that you're putting forth right now and who I need to be, I can't build on that. I can't build on Facebook with it. I can't build through a political campaign with it. I can't build it all on it. But if you can stop talking and let me guide you and you can permeate the kind of humility that speaks a message that the forgiveness of sin is for all across the globe, I can work with that. But it's gonna take some breaking, right? It's gonna take some weaning off. It's gonna feel like you wanna return to what I took you from, even though what I'm taking you to is so much better. There's gonna be a struggle in it. And in that struggle, I'll provide manna day by day, what you need for that day. But don't land so quickly that you can't live into this question. Because the question isn't meant to be said as if it's a foundational truth that we just move on from. It's meant to be lived and embodied. This is a question he's saying to them. Who do you say Jesus is? Is you. That's, you are living this. You live it. You don't even have to use words with it. You live into it. And it looks like humility. It looks like speaking a message of forgiveness to someone who so desperately needs it. And while we don't like to discuss, well, that's sin and that's forgiveness. When I watched the movie Les Mis this week, which it's on Netflix now. Netflix is a streaming site, for those of you who aren't familiar. It's in the top. I, I'm, I would have said this 10 years ago. This would not have been a statement. It's my favorite movie on earth. I genuinely think, aside from the gospel story, it's the best story ever written. And they sing the whole time. And at the beginning of the movie, Noah was like, are, are they about to be singing the whole time? I was like, yes, son. And if you would like to sing, you go ahead. I could have wept the entire time. And the thing about the characters in the movie, at the end of the movie, my daughter, Aletheia, which means truth, she asked such a good question. She's over there. She said, why did he have such a bad life? And I said, what if he had the best life? At every, at every turn for this person, he had to give him himself to complete desperation. Things were being taken from him, taken from him, but he became a person who lived so fully for others that other lives were, it's the story of the gospel. I could weep thinking about it. Brian from our church, Brian Coley, who runs an organization called Real Something. Sorry, Brian, forgive me. They pick apart movies and talk about your heart and how that forms who you are. And he asked me a great question. He said, what scene in that movie? And there's like five, but when he is at the beginning scene, and I'm spending too much time talking about Les Mis, he's at the beginning scene. He steals the stuff from the church. 
And he leaves and comes back. And he shows up and they've caught him. And the priest is like, no, I gave you that, but also I gave you this. Why did you leave the best stuff? And he has an interaction singing into camera for like five minutes, which is a thing itself. And at the end, he, he realizes he's saying bye to this version of himself. And he throws his court papers in the air. There's something in that moment that says, yes, people need this. People need to see the forgiveness of Christ. Who embodies the forgiveness of Christ? It's not us telling stories about what we heard. It's us living out the forgiveness of Christ and offering it to those who don't even understand it. It's the story of Jean Valjean embodying what it means to receive something he didn't deserve. We don't just give that to the people we think deserve it. So please hear the call about who Jesus is when he's asking his disciples and us, who do you say that I am? And whatever your answer might be, maybe you're the quiet disciple over there that's like, please do not pick me. Please do not pick me. Please do not pick me. Locking eyes with, with that guy. How you doing? You having a good day? Maybe that's you. Be honest about it. Because Jesus can work with that. He's not looking for the perfect answer. He's looking to be the one that shows you through experience who he is to experience the presence of God, to live into that question. So those of you that are my friends that are struggling through what you feel like is deconstruction, I pray grace and peace on you. I pray no shame. I pray that you have the space to wrestle with questions that need to happen so that he can, through intimacy and through connection, reach you where you're at and build out what that looks like. Because what you heard won't be enough. It will have to be what you and him share together. And he offers that to all of us. And I just jumped all over the place, but I do want to share this and then move on because it's getting, it's 12.06 and that's okay. The timing of Peter hearing his calling, his identity, the enhanced version of who he is, was simultaneous with his testimony. This did not come before. It didn't come when they were deciding who would sit where at the table. It didn't come when they decided who would go up the mountain. It came here. It came when he was able to say, this is what I know to be true about you, even though I don't know how to live into it. What if we find within our calling, our testimony? What if those two things, your testimony of who Jesus is, what if also embedded within that is your calling and the deeper meaning of who you are to be? What if those two things work together? What if who Jesus really is to you, that real, the real thing, is wherein lies what he's calling you to do? Not before. How can you? How can you be sent just hearing what your family said? How can you be sent just ingesting a large book written by whoever? How can you be sent without tasting and seeing that he is good? What can we give? We embody this message. He sends us to a world that most assuredly needs it now. He's present with us. So let this be a reminder to those of us who say Yahweh is the truth and real. Remember from which rock quarry you have been carved from. Your DNA is not just your own. Your sonship and your daughtership is a faith family now. Remember where you came from 
and let him inform who he is to you. What can God do with a lifetime? I want to read you this. It's from Debbie Thomas. What if, what if Peter answered later in life this question? This is what she says. I'm stunned by the answers that Peter must have lived into as time went on. Answers he could have articulated, couldn't have articulated early in his years of discipleship. Who do you say I am? You are the one who found me in a fishing boat and gave me a new vocation. You are the one who healed my mother-in-law. You are the one who said, yes, walk on water. You are the one who caught me before I drowned. You are the one who glowed on a mountaintop while I babbled nonsense. You're the one who washed my feet while I squirmed in shame. You're the one who told me accurately that I'd be a coward on the very night you needed me to be brave. You're the one I denied three times to save my skin. You're the one who looked into my eyes with pain and pity when the cock crowed. You're the one who fed me breakfast on a beach and spoke love and fresh purpose into my humiliation. You're the one who gave me the courage to preach to 3,000 people on Pentecost. You're the one who taught me that I must not call unclean what you have pronounced clean. You're the one who stayed by my side through insults, beatings, and imprisonment. You are the one I followed into martyrdom. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What can God do with a lifetime? He's not done. No, he's just gearing up, and he's inviting us. So if you want to come up, Becca, I will pray and give you space, but I ask you to wrestle faithfully and live into a question that haunted many of the disciples and liberated them as well. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Father, we trust you as shepherd because we know it's not because you found Peter that you could finally build the church, but you found someone who would be willing to grow into the calling, who would be willing to say sorry, who would be willing to confess, who would build out humility, and who would trust you even when they knew a better way. You found the church on which to build the rock, and now, 2,000 years later, we are still that rock on which you build the church. And it's confusing because COVID-19 is crazy and no one knows what to do. And many are trying to return to what it was like. But I just believe you're leading us into a new place that will be much more fruitful, even if it is a post-Christian society, even if it is Facebook wars, even if it is people, people defaming your name. I trust you, Jesus. And when I look at you, I know that I don't know, and you do. And I want to be one that follows. And I pray for each of you today as you listen that you would not be wooed back into slavery and bondage because you know what's there. But that you would be led into a land flowing with milk and honey and adventure and craziness and some fear you have to face and some heart wounds you have to grow through and some false gods that will surface. But if you stay and you remain you continue when it feels like you don't know what to do you will see the faithfulness of God surface in your life for your family and your son and your daughter you will hear the calling of God as you profess your testimony that he is the son of God 
you will know that you know in the depth of places you can't explain that he is Yahweh. Jesus, thank you. Just take some time here for a moment in your living rooms or here to be present with your Father as he is present with you. and how to respond. I I pray that you experience the presence of Jesus this week and that you are loved well by those around you. Father, I pray that you would bless this body and this city and make your face to shine upon us. We thank you that you are ever-present with us, guiding us, even in our questions, even in COVID, even in tension. We say that you are the true Son of God, and we thank you for that. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. See you very soon. Bye. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.